For TBWA Shiite Day New York and Nissan, ISKI code NOAY0005000, spot entitled My23 Aria Launch, GM brand fully loaded 30 second radio spot, stereo mono compatible mixed with Tupop. The all new Nissan Aria is a fully loaded EV. It's brimming with style mm. and power. Up to 389 horses of it. Innovation and intelligence. E Force all wheel drive. It'll pin you to your seat. Your very plush seat. The all-new, all-electric Nissan Aria. Nissan Aria with E-Force expected availability early 2023. E-Force cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. E-Force and 389 horsepower available on Platinum Plus. Nissan calculation using one-foot rollout testing with long-range battery and E-Force only in port mode with E-Step Off. These results are for comparison only and should not be attempted on public roads. Drive responsibly. See NissanUSA.com for details. It's time for Early Break with Sip and Jake, brought to you by Gaina Trucking. Live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America, here's 93.7 at Ticket's Jake Sorensen. Did seem kind of meh. And Steve Sipple. Surprisingly good. This is Early Break with Sip and Jake, sponsored by Gaina Trucking. Welcome back in to Early Break on the Tickets. Nick Sainert filling in for the world-traveling Jake Sorensen. Sip's about to become a world-traveler here in about eight hours. Uh, not Okay, maybe a little bit longer than that. You'll be in Chicago in less than eight hours. Yeah, let's just, I think the simple thing to say is my... <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, my God. Just I, clearing your throat. Yeah, live on, on the, the air. air. Yeah, yeah. How about that? <laughs> 310 is when the flight departs. Okay. Lincoln to Chicago. Layover five hours in Chicago, then off to Dublin. Um, and I'm 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 really jazzed. Um, thank you for filling in. You're oh, doing, of course, you're doing a great job. Yeah, I appreciate that. A lot sir. of lot, man. I'll tell you one thing. A lot of engagement. A lot of engagement yeah, on our text great. line four six four five six eight five. If you want to do it, four zero two four six four. Five six eight five. If you want to do it, hell, a lot of engagement on my phone. You How must be that? doing a good job because people are. I don't know. There's been a couple. A lot of people texting. A lot of people pushing back on my my thought uh, on two things. It feels like today, and Bill, we'll get to you right in a second here. Bill, hold. Um, it, it seems like there's been a lot of pushback on the idea that Nebraska just needs to play a football game. Really, and there's been pushback on the defense being able to win, keep be like the the, the main thing on this team. Yeah, which now you had pushback on too, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm okay just with. Not as I'm just not as all in on that notion as you are, but I certainly don't think you're far off base on that. Nick. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see what happens. Let's go to the hotline. We got Bill on the line to kick off the seven o'clock hour. Bill, good morning. What's on your mind today, man? Well, I got, just got a question for Steve. Um, I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I look at the schedule and. It's been uh, quite a few years since we've beat Minnesota and, and Purdue in the same year. And I believe that that's where this the success of this program next year, this, this season, uh, lies with those two, those two games. I think Minnesota mm-hmm. especially has dominated. The score doesn't say it, but I think they've dominated uh, Nebraska. And um, I'm wondering what he thinks, what, what Steve thinks about those two games, which are back-to-back, one is at home, one is away, and you sweep both of those games, you win both of those games, and you got a, good, you got a pretty good football team. Yes. I just want to see what he thinks. Okay, Bill, thank you. Um, 
Bill from Pennsylvania wonders about the Purdue game and the Minnesota game. Now, now to be clear, it's Nebraska plays October 15th at Purdue. Mm-hmm. The game against Minnesota is separated by a bye week and a game against Illinois. But I, I see where Bill's going. You have to – those are divisional foes that you shouldn't – okay. When, when Nebraska entered the Big Ten, we didn't think we'd be having this type of discussion, no right? Way. No way, right? No way. That that we would be having that we that Nebraska would be having trouble with Purdue and Minnesota. We didn't think that. So you have to reverse that. Bill's right. The game at Purdue. What I've said many times, Bill, is that if Nebraska wins that game, it'll be close. Yeah, I just don't think you can go into Purdue right now and expect a. Interesting. To roll away from them. I'm curious about Purdue. One quick note on Purdue. I'm curious what they look like this year because they lose two of their biggest names from last year, David Bell on, on the perimeter um, at wide receiver, and then also George Karloftis on the other side of the, sure, on they, the field. So, yeah. but they do And return. Milton Wright. They lost they, yes, Milton Wright right. to academics. They, they, do, they do bring in, I mean, bring, excuse me, Aiden O'Connell back, who was a second-team quarterback in yeah. the Big Ten. So that's something to, to take note of. Well, Nick and Bill, Purdue... That fan base is really excited about it. It's defense. Yeah. Now, Purdue's obviously traditionally an offensive-type school, I guess, offensive-type program. But they really lean hard on they're – really, they're really confident about their defense. Bill, close game. Minnesota, I feel better about. That game – I feel better about Nebraska beating Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota lost a lot from last year. They're not as explosive on the perimeter. That's just that pounding ground game that you're going to have to deal with in Lincoln. And you don't want them, like they did during the pandemic pandemic year, coming in here and assaulting you on the ground. Okay, Nick, that goes back to your your take, is that you think this defense can sort of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, kind of stabilize the program if it, if the offense is a little rocky yeah. coming out of the gate. I think coming out of the gate is is the is the timeline because you don't want to get to a Purdue on October 15th and say this offense is still sputtering. Mm-hmm. Like why isn't this offense full go and all the gears are turning? Yeah, Purdue you, you got Purdue's you, October 15th. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, so you like, should have it kind of rolling by. Yeah, then. that's going to be game 7. Yeah, you should, game seven. You, you should, it should look pretty clean by then. Yeah, God, you'd think, right? Well, that's the thing is that, that maybe maybe my my take on that is really through these first three games is that the offense doesn't have to be perfect. the uh, The offense does not have to be perfect in my eye my eyes well, for these first is. three for hard, these first three games. Whose who's offense is perfect? This the offense doesn't need to score thirty plus points okay. in the first three okay. games. Okay, the, maybe that's the better way to say it. Um, um, can I say one more thing about absolutely. Bill? Bill, thank you for calling. Bill, I know this. Do you see my T-shirt? What's it say? Yangling. Bill is a Yangling fan. Okay. We were just talking about that right before the show. Right. So, Bill, thank you for the call. Um, what else is on your mind here? You want to you want to you want to make a hard transition to Casey Thompson? Well, well I, I think I, I think it's just interesting. Um, w- one quick note on Minnesota on that situation. You did say they they lose a lot up front, especially. But what's been the biggest difference, as Bill pointed out, in a lot of the Big Ten West games, it's the line of scrimmage. Yeah, right. And and Nebraska, we're getting a lot of questions and about. concerns about offensive line. Sure, 
And so Ballad. Um I I wonder, you know, I wonder how much this offensive line is either going to improve or regress. Um because I, I, I truly don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about the offense. Okay, I'll help you. I'll help you with this. This is, I, I think, with a lot of discussions about football, they're relatively complicated. I believe that, okay? Because there's so many moving parts. And there's, you know, there's five on the offensive line. There's five moving parts yeah. on the offensive line. I think what you're looking at here is an offensive line that, I mean, what have we heard? We heard back in the spring – Man, we're running the ball well. Okay, yeah. yeah shrug your shoulders because because they're running against a defense that was up front, not where it is now. Um, they had lost players; they're a little light up front. Yeah. They're still a little light up front, but they're heavier than they were personnel wise, not weight wise, just personnel wise, pieces wise. They're heavier, a little heavier now than they were in the spring. I don't discount that, though, that they were running the ball well in the spring because they carried it into August. They ran the ball again pretty well. Scott talked about it yesterday. Now, it's been ba- there's been a good back and forth between the offense and the defense, which, which, which is what you want. Bottom line, what I'm getting at is I think you have to make a distinction between run blocking and pass blocking. I think this is a master-type offensive line. I've been saying that for weeks. I wonder about the pass blocking element. That's where Whipple comes in. Okay, quick passing game. I mean, don't – you know, you can sort of work around a little suspect pass-blocking line with a quick passing game. Yeah. And a good running game can do that, right? You can – hey, Nick, if you're running the ball well consistently, that pa- those pass rushers are negated a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even on, on third and medium – Sometimes they're not as apt. Tell me, tell me, I'm wrong. They're no, not as no, apt to right. pin back their ears exactly. and just roll roll up the field if Anthony Grant has 135 yards in the third quarter, right? 100. percent So complicated. I don't think this offensive line will be inept. I don't think it'll be incompetent. I don't think it'll be great. Now, where is it in between? That's the question. I don't think it'll be incompetent. I don't think it'll be great. Can it be good? Can it be good plus? Okay. Can it be average? Can it be average? Was it average last year or below average? I'd say certain guys were above average. Certain guys were above average. As a unit, though, I don't think I could I, go anywhere. I don't think I could go as above average as a unit. Right. And that's the most important thing, right? right? Um, now, we can make a hard transition here okay. to, Casey? to Casey Thompson. Not that hard. I mean, this is this it's directly affects him. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, Casey Thompson was kind of asked, and this was kind of one of the more notable things to uh, to come out of the press conference yesterday. Casey Thompson was asked, what do you know about Northwestern so far? And he provided a pretty lengthy answer on what Husker fans or, or I guess the media members needed to know about the way that Northwestern why, lines up. Why did this strike you? Why did this strike you? I think I think when you're when you're a, a quarterback, you want to show that you are well prepared. Okay, and I think that that's what this answer did. Oh, I think it was it was extremely all, detailed. All these things we've heard about Casey Thompson being a film junkie mm-hmm. now come to fruition in his answer. I'm glad you're playing it. We're gonna play it. Just I just want, I just want to yeah. preface it a little bit more. I'm glad you you picked this out because I often refer to it in columns about how. 
well prepared case he is. He's meticulous. Yeah. He's meticulous. He's a perfectionist. Yeah, he yeah, he's a perfectionist. He's meticulous in preparation. Think about it. Nebraska yesterday was eight days out from the yeah. game. And listen to his answer about Northwestern and what they bring. Uh, Northwestern is a 40-down front, uh, also known as even. That's their main front. Um, number 99, is, I think, is their best defense alignment. He's really good, has a really good motor. Um, they have a couple of transfers, um, and uh, they had one transfer from Stanford. You know, the in- two interior D linemen are transfers. And then uh, they lost the safety, number 16. I think his name was Newsom, uh, transferred to uh, Notre Dame. Um, so they got a new starter back there at safety. But um, they have some some good players in the back end. But they're pro- predominantly four down front. Uh, they play cover four. Um, and they rotate a little bit. They mix it up, and they'll go one high. They'll go zone and man. Uh, they, they bring pressure occasionally. There's certain situations they like to bring pressure. Um, still studying the red zone defense. And I'm still studying you know, certain situations and formations. But we have a pretty good idea in game plan so far. Um, we use kind of this last week of training camp to prepare and put a good game plan together. So uh, today's Sunday, and I feel very confident that we have a great game plan already going in uh, to Ireland before we get on the flight. Um, but I would say 99, uh, their defense lineman definitely stands out on film. And then number 11, uh, he played corner last year, the defensive back. Uh, I would say he probably has the best speed over there. I think he was a 10-6, 100-meter track guy, so he has good speed on the outside. So um, I think they have good talent, and it's a good defense, and uh, I'm excited to line up against them. Nick, 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 Nick. So, Nobody's saying that Casey Thompson is going to set the world ablaze. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying he's going to take college football by storm. Nobody's saying that. But I will tell you this, if he win, he'll falter, okay? He'll falter at times, all quarterbacks do, but it won't be for lack of preparedness. Casey Thompson will always be prepared. And I will tell you something, Nick, his teammates notice. I talked to several of those receivers. I just, in fact, I just wrote about a portion of a column about Trey Palmer talking about how much those receivers notice Casey being prepared. In fact, when he got here, Nick, he met individually with every receiver. He wants to know all about them, um, what they, you know, not only them as individuals, but what they, how they prefer to the ball get to them. Yeah. Okay. He is meticulous, and I'm glad. I'm glad you played that because that. Listen to him. He's talking about guys that transferred away from there. He knows who transferred in. Casey's going to know that personnel on the other side of the ball like a coach. We knew somebody's track time from high school. 10-6. Some guy was a 10-6 guy, yeah. that's what. That's the, that was he the studied. part that stuck out to me right when I was sitting next to you yesterday was this guy just pulled out this guy's track time from high school. Mm-hmm. And you would never think about needing to know those little details when learning the defense in football. Right, like that's just things you just don't think about um, as just a casual fan or, or just a college football watcher. So I, I think it's interesting um, when you're when you kind of break that down and just listen to him. I mean, Casey. you can sit there for for a couple minutes and listen to that. Over Casey, and over. Casey Thompson. When when we talk about preparedness, I'm going to give you. He, you know what he did one time this summer? He sent me. He sent me what he. Well, I took a photo of his daily regimen. Okay. Casey Thompson's. He showed me it on his phone and said, hey, just take a picture of it. Okay, so wake up, 5, five to 6 a.m. wake up process. 
7 to 9 a.m. team workouts um, or meetings. 7 to 11, that, that, I guess that's 7 to 11 a.m. Okay. Then there's extra work, core, lift on my own, then breakfast, then to the field for extra throws, then rotational power work, med ball throws or band resistance, then corrective movements and postural training, then treatment in the training room, in the training room. Um, he even writes down shower. That's all before 1 p.m. Lunch, lunch is around 1 p.m. Then there's films. Then he goes, then he, I'm not going to go through it all, but then he goes through all what he does from 1 p.m. to bedtime around 10 p.m. He, he just laid out his schedule. I don't, I'm not that meticulous. No. I don't lay out my schedule like that. You don't play when you shower? <laughs> not, no. Okay. No, I don't. I don't. But yeah. also Casey said something yesterday, two things that I thought were critical in knowing what we're dealing with as a, with Casey as a quarterback. He said, first of all, he doesn't get nervous. He, he, the only time he ever got nervous as a quarterback was last season, third game against Rice. Texas wins 58-0. He completes 15 of 18 passes. But he was nervous on the bus going to the stadium. Not it was even a, at the game. Right. It was on the bus. On the bus. First start of his career. Didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Now, now they blasted Rice 58-0. He's 15 for 18. Wasn't nervous during the Red River rivalry game. He said he goes into sort of a meditative state. The reason, one of the reasons he doesn't get nervous, Nick, is because he's so well prepared. Yeah. If you're prepared for a radio show, it's so much better, right? Yeah. I mean, you you know this. If I'm not prepared, if I get up on a morning and I'm, I don't feel prepared, I don't feel great. Yeah. I don't feel great about going into the to the studio. If you're prepared, you're ready. Yeah. You don't. You're not nervous. You're not edgy. Um, you just want to, you just want to get after it. Right. Well, that's how Casey, that's how Casey operates. The other thing is he's got a chip on his shoulder. He said it a lot of, I mean, wouldn't you say that Texas sort of waved goodbye to him? Oh, easily. They didn't, he wasn't part easily. of the plan. No, that's not, not, these are, these are very high profile guys that with big egos. That's true. And a program told him he wasn't, you're not part of our plan. He's got something to prove. Right, I, I just think it's fascinating that we talk about the the preparedness and and him not getting nervous in the in the biggest games. And once again, it goes back to kind of my thought of this offense, specifically Casey Thompson. This feels like it's set up with the personnel, both on offense that's around him and on defense, that he doesn't have to be spectacular. Oh, I think you're exactly right. And I, I, think, I think that's you're exactly. Right. I, I think that that's such a comforting feeling not only as a fan but also as a coach as a quarterback and as a quarterback as a player they're not knowing gonna... you don't have to put the obviously you do you have, there's some added pressure obviously because you're a quarterback at Nebraska and and like like you just said sip there's a chip on your shoulder you're coming into a new place you want to prove it he got beat out at Texas that's yeah, what Richard did Richard's yelling at me via the text line on my phone Richard <laughs> he he got beat out at Texas he did he, did. he got and, beat out. And once again, like, we, we have to understand, like, he did not have a, a Heisman-type season at Texas. Good season, though. He had, a good, he had a good season. Pretty good, yeah. He did. He did. But Efficient. Exactly. And that's what Nebraska's been longing for, is efficiency. Okay. I'm going to go back to something you said. I'm going to – I'm going to – I want to – I want to – there's something that 
you said something interesting. You intimated that Nebraska leaned probably too hard on Adrian. Now, see, I, I want to be very cautious about this because this gets a lot of texters riled up. Riled okay. up. Okay, triple pump. Are you going to do a triple pump? No, I'm not. Okay, what? Because I, I feel like it's hard to, when we talk about what we project Casey Thompson to look like or his role to be in this offense as a quarterback, we just automatically go back and compare it to Adrian Martinez. And I, I want to be very cautious when I say this. Um, and this might be... What are you I, getting at? I don't want to make it a scapegoat answer. What are you getting at? But Adrian did a lot of things well, and he did a lot of things poorly. And the poorly, thing, the poorly you know, act, poor actions overshadowed the good things. And so when we look at what can change from year to year and what how Casey Thompson could be different that could actually be beneficial to the program, not having making the quarterback or, or forcing the quarterback to be in a position where they have to do everything on their own I, is sustainable. They, okay, now I'm going to ask you a question. What you just did was basically defend Adrian. In did you defend him last year? Yes. Okay. Because... Because what you just said was the tune I was singing all last year. Yeah. 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 He falters in the clutch. He does. He's and, not and perfect, like, but they exactly. ask so much of him. Exactly. They asked too much of Adrian. They are not going to do the same with, with Casey. People, which, people, which could be better for the program. Yes. People ask all the time, come on, Nick, sip. What's, how, what, how, how much difference is the offense going to look? I don't know for sure, but I know this. Casey Thompson's not going to lead the team lead the team in rushing. Yeah. Which Adrian did the last two years. They are not going to they're he he's Casey Thompson's not going to lead the team in carries, which Adrian Martinez did the last two years. The offense is going to look profoundly different from that standpoint. I don't think they'll ask Casey to run all that much at all. What would you say? How how many how many called quarterback runs do you Jeez. think will be every game? Each Saturday, five or fewer. Yeah, I would. I would take it under. Okay, I do too. I, I now he might like, take off sometimes. Exactly, but those aren't designed. No, no. I'm talking about design runs. Yeah. Five or fewer is my guess. Yeah, and, and I think that's a welcome sight. Conventional run games I, are welcome. I was going to say because I think that shows that you have a sustainable offense. Mm -hmm. I think it shows that you have a sustainable running game. More importantly, right? Uh, we talk about. Casey Thompson and OG Les Lancaster makes a really good point. If Nebraska had a, an efficient quarterback last year, you could possibly flip our record. That's absolutely correct. And when we talk about Casey Thompson having an efficient year last year, who was right next to him in the backfield? Bajon Robinson. Yeah. A top 10 running back in all of college football. Does Nebraska have a top 10 college football running back? Maybe not. But also, they have a couple guys that together. No, stable. Exactly. That together, we can do this running back by committee thing in a sustainable way. I think so. I, I truly believe in that. Well, we, yeah, well, and I, I truly believe that if it's a good running back room and it's a good run blocking offensive line, Whipple will do it. Whip, Whipple's got to win. I mean, Whipple wants to yeah. win. You do what you, you do what you got to do to win. I get his past. I get that whole thing. He's a 50-50 run pass ratio guy, guy throughout his career. But that doesn't mean that can that doesn't mean that won't change that can't change a little bit. He can make an adjustment, right? Yeah. If that's your strength, there might be an adjustment. And if you're playing from ahead, <laughs> if you're if you're playing from ahead, 
if you're ahead a lot, you're going to run the ball more. If you're playing from behind, you're going to throw it, and the ratio is going to be what it is. Yeah. I mean, I, some of that's dictated by what, what the games look yeah, like. Yeah, and Kirk from Georgia said this. The question is still the offensive line, and Bird in, Bird in Columbus says, led the team team in turnovers as well. Did they ask him to do that? So sick of the Adrian apologists. Well, those two texts can be worked. They can be intertwined. It's fair. It's fair, Burr. It's fair. That, exactly. And that's where, where you have to be so del- – it's such a delicate topic. It is. Adrian- it is such a delicate topic because Adrian was a such a polarizing player for Nebraska. Can you imagine wh- whether you want to admit it or not? Oh God, he's polarizing. Can you? Can you? You know that that's one of the most interesting dynamics of the last twenty years of Nebraska football. In my opinion, yeah, is Adrian Martinez one of the nicer, most congenial, vanilla at the podium quarterbacks? Yeah. And yet he's polarizing, incredibly poor, polarizing, but his his demeanor, his personality, not polarizing. Yeah, it's just it's purely an on field play call sort of conversation that makes him polarizing. Because because Adrian himself is the opposite of polarizing as a person, right? As a person, there's polarizing people out there. Adrian is polarizing, but it's purely for on-field matters. It's fascinating to me how polarizing he got. Now, some people say it's not that fascinating, Sip. He, he started for four years yeah. at, a, at one institution. We dissected him. People took, took sides, and there you go. Voila, polarizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit more on the other side of this break. Um once again, 402-464-5685. Want to hear your guys' thoughts the rest of the show. Um, Gene and Lincoln makes an interesting point about the running back room, so we'll kind of dive into that. Also, Mark Whipple, we found out where he's going to be during games and calling the plays. So we'll dive into all that and more coming up next. You're listening to Early Break on 93.7 The Ticket.